Yo, what's up? Welcome back to Surf Splendor. This is David Scales, bringing you another episode, actually, of Surf News. And this one is a little bit more specific in our focus on what we're talking about today. Scott and I wanted to get together to discuss the upcoming Quicksilver Pro event at Snapper Rocks. Just to kind of give an overview on the 2017 season, who's new on tour, and uh, what we... Our predictions, which of course are never even close to being correct, but predictions and what to expect and that sort of stuff. Some news actually just came through yesterday. Um, actually, this is the breaking news. It's not even public yet, but I just heard through the grapevine that John John Florence is bringing on a new full-time coach, and that is Ross Williams. So Ross is actually going to be stepping down from his commentary position with the WSL for this season or maybe for indefinitely. And he's taking on a full-time coaching position with John John. So that is strictly gossip. It's an unverified rumor at this point. But if it turns out to be correct, you heard it here first. And if it turns out to be incorrect, uh, why don't you forget that you heard this at all? But I think that could actually be a really interesting... I think it could be a really good move, actually. Um, I think that Ross Williams, not only is he a phenomenal surfer... His fundamentals are so sound, and I think that he's also particularly smart. I think that he's also particularly articulate. So I think that he could be a great fit for John John, just in be able in being able to analyze and assess John John's surfing, his boards, the waves at any given spot, and then be able to communicate with John. Um, so. You know, I don't know that Ross has done any coaching in the past, but and I don't even know really what the qualifications are for a great coach because we've seen guys like Glenn Hall who aren't the top-level surfer turn into a top-level coach, actually the most notable coach in recent years, bringing Tyler Wright to a world title and, of course, Matt Wilkinson into title contention, winning events and all that. So... So interesting, and uh, really look forward to that. I'm going to miss Ross on the mic, though. Of course, I think he's one of, also one of the best commentators because of the, that skill set. So interesting, and lots to look forward to with this upcoming season, and of course, plenty to look forward to with the next hour of this show. I hope that you enjoy. SurfSplendorPodcast.com is our website, and while we'll have videos and links to everything that we discuss in this show. Also, you can leave comments on the website. We've got a number of comments from last week's episode. And there's also an explanation for how to join our Fantasy Surf Club. So it's on fantasysurfer.com. But you can find instructions for how to do that on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And then, of course, we've set up a donation platform. If you'd like to contribute to this show to keep it rolling, we would greatly appreciate that. All right, so without further ado, here's Surf News for March 10th with Scott Bass. I hope that you enjoy. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. Yeah, guy. Kings and queens and guillotines. Guillotines, if you will, David. Welcome, everybody, down the line, Surfing Podcast. Scott Bass, David Lee Scales with you, listening to a little old-school Aerosmith. We're about a week away from the beginning of the 2017 WSL World Title Campaign. 
starting at Snapper Rocks on the Gold Coast. We're pretty excited about that. Everybody is. And less than a week away from our last recording here at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. We're giving them two for one. We are. Two for one week. We are. We've taken over uh, curator Barry Hahn's office, and we sit and we discuss. And uh, we told listeners that, hey, we're going to do another show in less than a week because we want to do a... uh, a kickoff show, if you will, for the World Surf League and um, a lot of interesting things going on, specifically in regards to the surfers on tour, which is really what we're probably going to get into. But we do have, or I do have, David. First of all, welcome, David. Thanks, Scott. Thrilled to be here two times in a row this week. And um, there is certainly a lot to discuss, but we did mention in our last show that we wanted to cover some listener emails that have been coming through in recent weeks that we've been neglecting. So did you have something that you want to I've got up some with? emails that I wanted to, to, to go with. And um, our friend Oakley Davis sent in a, an extremely long-winded but, but um, potent and important email. And I certainly can't get to all of us. I mean, we could probably do four or five shows just on Oakley Davis's email. Did you read this? I um, Did you we, get it? Not if it's in the last week. No, it was fe- yeah, it, it was came a while in back. February. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, by the way, Oakley also plays in our Surfer Fan um, Fantasy Surfer Clubhouse. Oakley's been playing since day one, every single event. So that's a reminder for listeners: if you want to play our fantasy, do that too on uh, FantasySurfer.com. You just search the clubhouse and find Surf Splendor. Well, let me read Oakley's email, David. Um, parts of it, anyway. Just one one uh, paragraph that we can try to excavate and dissect, perhaps. Oakley says, um, "I think Scott touched on this recently. Something I've always wanted to really discuss. Can somebody make a convincing case for why anybody outside the surfing industry benefits from growing the sport of surfing in the first place?" I know this is an age-old question asked by many a grumpy old guy, and I hesitate to even ask the question, as I hope not to be put in that category, not just yet. But why grow the pond? Can anyone make a case for how it benefits the average surfer in any way? I can personally only come up with two real benefits for the average surfer. The first is wetsuit technology. And uh, let's see, what is the second? The second benefit is the current incarnation of pro surfing. I am the first to admit that I really appreciate and enjoy the WSL, which gives me access to the actual sort of sport to follow, complete with the drama of competition and conflict. So those are, uh, without getting too further into his conversation, um, is there any benefit to growing the pond, as he says, and or... um, Yes. Growing surfing besides wetsuit technology and the WSL. Well, you say he. I have always been unsure. Is Oakley a male or a female listener? I, ooh, good point. You know? So I've wondered that. And no slight, of course, to Oakley. I just don't know. Um, to answer your question, I don't see it as grimly as Oakley does. Like, I do think that there's benefit to growing the pond in that, as he or she kind of referenced, like, we have more content to watch. We have more. And I think as the professionals get better at what they do, it elevates our ability as well. Once the five-minute mile, the five minute mile was broken, all of a sudden a bunch of people could run that five-minute mile. You know what I mean? So like it just – once you see people can do an aerial, then you realize what the limits aren't. 
And so I think that there's a lot to be said for that. Once you just see the way that somebody else is riding a wave, it gives you ideas for how you can ride a wave. So there's all sorts of benefit in that realm. There's, of course, he said or she said wetsuit technology. Well, that could be extrapolated to board design and board construction and all sorts of other things. So I think growing the sport in general has a lot of inherent benefits for you and I as surfers. I think there's a fine balance. And of course, it can be exploited to where, you know, there's just too many people in the water. And that's obviously a concern that we've discussed on this show. But Ooh, you say that in hushed tones. <laughs> I will say this. Uh, I think it's been proven. Um, proven. I, yeah, I think it's been Science. proven. I don't know, like, I guess my question to you is, would there be a twin fin if it weren't for competition? Competition sport is how is how we grow the industry. The industry has grown through, or at least it's grown more quickly through sport. You look at like climbing as a subculture. Climbing doesn't really have a sport attached to it. And it's a small little niche thing. And it hasn't really grown, probably not to the level that some in that industry wish that it would. For instance, guys that make climbing shoes or climbing belts and rappelling stuff. And it's there's no sport attached to it that I know of, at least um, not you know mainstream sport. And um, has it stagnated? I don't know. Can it get any greater? I'm sure guys are climbing um, half dome and doing crazy stuff. I mean, there's some crazy you know crazy climbers out there. Um, and so, as we look at surfing in that vein, um, I ask you, David, would we have the twin fin without? Um, MR and Reno Abalera in competition. And that fact, frankly, that can be tracked back to Australia, I think. The Australians put together this, you know, you know, this, you get more points for more turns on the wave. And Michael Peterson was the king of exploiting this. And Michael Peterson was, was just doing these crazy little kind of, um, wiggles. I wouldn't, I was going to say wiggles, <laughs> but he was maximizing the, he, he said, Hey, look, if I get more points for more turns, I'm going to do a lot of turns and what those turns look like or didn't look like may not have been pleasing to the eye, but he started to turn more and he was just killing the competition. He was just racking up titles based on this Australian, um, you know, paradigm. Yeah. And then, um, you know, that paradigm sort of got adopted by many in the larger surf world. And then we got to MR going, well, if, if turns, if I, if I get, if I do more turns cleaner, I'm going to win. I'm going to go to a twin fin. Reno, let me ride this twin fin. This thing's fast. He looks like he's good on it. I want to see what that's about. And then we have the twin fin and, um, you know, the three fin comes along and would we be where we are? Would we have gotten to where we are as quick as we have gotten? I'm not saying we would not be where we're at. I'm not saying that three fins wouldn't have happened or twin fins wouldn't have happened. But certainly you can make the point that sport drove those changes and it drove them quickly. And that's good for the industry if, in fact, the industry is a good thing. We're, yeah, that's the point Oakley's making is who cares about the industry? Well, and I'm saying, well, you might not be. I would suggest to you that the industry has helped move along progression if you want to call progression a good thing. Okay. Because the three fin was proven at Pipeline. Look, if Joe Blow showed up with a three fin at Pipeline that didn't know how to surf and wasn't in the competitions, it probably wouldn't have been adapted as quickly if it, was, if it wasn't for Simon Anderson going, oh, my God, by the way, here I am on the North Shore. And look at this. And he goes on to win the Pipe Masters on the three fin. And all of a sudden, the thing exploded overnight. The twin fin's the same thing. Everyone was trying to find you know, the competitive edge. So I think competition, and when I say competition, I mean, look, that's what the industry wants because then kids kids have heroes, they buy the product, and the, and the pond is growing. Well, I think all of those things are entirely true, 
But I'm going to go back and play devil's advocate against my own point, and this point might actually undermine everything that you just said, which is, even though it's true, which is writing all those things aside, does writing a twin fin or thruster make you enjoy the act of surfing more? Maybe Oakley's point was, look, if we were all still just getting in the ocean with wood planks and going straight to the beach, would we be having less fun? I would not say necess- no. Not necessarily. Yeah, I agree with him. And so I think... And that speaks to the climbing analogy. Like, it does. Let's look at climbing. Those it's guys are having just, a good time and they're glad nobody's doing hey, it. Hey, and maybe you chasing the brass ring or chasing this idea of progression is only leading to your dissatisfaction because you can never fully be satisfied. Right. I've got 17 surfboards and none of them are right. Exactly. And I think that is a larger philosophical discussion that we can have that extends outside of surfing, but it applies probably more to you and I in Southern California than anyone else in the world where it's kind of like, look, dude, we've got it pretty good. We were born at kind of the best time in history with more access to all things and more luxuries and more amenities. We can eat. What kind of food do you want tonight? Thai food, French food, Italian food, Japanese, like, and we have world-class versions of it within a 20 minute drive of our house. And honestly, probably a 10 minute drive and we can afford it. You know, and so it's kind of like we now you and I, unfortunately, our plight is that we have more opportunities to be dissatisfied now. Like (laughs) our bar of expectation is so high that disappointment falls under that bar more often than not. Whereas for a lot of history, everything was just great or everything, every, every little experience that you added into your life was a benefit. As opposed, so there was like the bar for expectation was here, so everything landed above that bar. Now the bar for us is so high, everything kind of falls below it, and our perspective is skewed. You know, this is a great philosophical conversation, quite frankly. Yeah, thank you. It goes deeper than surfing. This is about life, exactly. This is about keeping your expectations low and being in gratitude. If you are in gratitude, if you wake up and thank your lucky stars that you are alive, the bowl of cereal tastes Mm -hmm. a little bit better and if you're sincerely grateful right and so again that's you're in my plight in southern california is that we need to wake up every morning and just make sure that we're grateful for be grateful yeah and even though you have and so those 17 boards it's easy to like look at the wave and be like yeah the wind's a little funky and i only brought three boards so and i don't really have the one i wanted to ride today had i known the conditions were like this it's back home in the garage you know what f it i'm gonna go back home yeah no 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 Get out in the water, ride whatever you have in your car, right? You know, and go into it with maybe again. I'm expect uh, suspecting that this was Oakley's intended question. That go into it with his mindset. Get out in the water, ride the plank, be grateful that you're in the ocean. He's he's basically saying, wouldn't it be cool if surfing collectively somehow before Gidget decided to um, pursue a course of obscurity, much like the climbing culture, and um, could be great. I just think that surfing is uh, well. First of all, to even go back further to his his first initial par- <clears throat> excuse me paragraph, the fact that he's engaged in the WSL means that he's sort of a hypocrite. Because if you're going to take that path, you first of all you don't send emails to guys that are producing podcasts hoping to someday get paid for it, which it probably won't happen. But you know what I mean? Like you can't be buying the latest greatest from from Oakley or Hurley or whoever. You've kind of got to build your own board. In fact, you should probably cut down a tree and build a board out of wood and wear, um, you know, some bamboo shorts or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> so, loincloth. Yeah, loin, thank you. So, you know, 
it, you, I guess if you're going to complain about it, you better live it. Yeah. And he's not actually even complaining. No, he's, he's just not. He's just proposing pre- he, an yeah, idea. He, yeah, this is the concept that we're here to discuss. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think Oakley's a smart enough guy. I can tell by his email that he gets it. He's just like, hey, this is a jumping off point for a great conversation. Why not go into obscurity? Can't surfing go into obscurity? And it kind of leads down the path of what if the WSL implodes? Yeah. God forbid it does. But what if for somehow or another's pro surfing just the culture just goes, you know what? We've tried it for 40 years. Let's take a 10 year break from it Mm -hmm. or what? You know, like let's just all like be Luke Davis and go free surfing and and Hurley will sell clothes on the backs of Kolohe and. And John, John going free surfing and Mick Fanning will sell rip curl stuff by them going up to Alaska and they'll just market their brands via another vehicle besides professional surfing. Would that be a good thing or a bad thing? Would we lose traction as a culture? Maybe it would take off. Maybe it would be crazy. Here's something really fascinating. Yeah. If I might continue this thought. Um, Wavestorm, right? This brand of surfboards that has nothing, that doesn't want any attachment to the surf industry or the surf culture is being, has been absorbed by surf culture. Like surf culture went to it. It didn't come to surf culture, right? It's kind of fascinating. And they've, that's the number one selling surfboard on the planet, by the way. Right. Which suggests, hey, maybe if we move away from the paradigm of we've got to grow the sport via competition. You'd be surprised how quickly the sport grows because now it's more inclusive because it's not this little clicky thing. And I think, so in that alternate universe that you're describing where Hurley is selling clothes based on their free surfers and there's no competition, there will be problems with that model too. And we'll find ourselves sitting in that alternate universe going, hey man, what if we actually made these guys compete against one another? That would, you know. Well, why would you say that? Why would you ask that question? Only if you were trying to grow the pond. In other words. Or you want to see who the best guy is. That's why you ask that question. So. I, I'm just saying, I think that we know the best guys, John, John, why do we need to, I'm, no. I'm suggesting that in every scenario, you'll find ways to try to, you know, there's pros yeah. and cons no, and all right. of it. And it's so human what, so what we ought to do is just be grateful for what we've got and kind of alter our perspective to just be like, well, I really enjoy parts of the competitive surfing and I, there's other parts that I don't, I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm just going to enjoy it. And like, Go surfing regardless, you know, and, and, and kind of do my own thing, whether or not it's crowded down the beach or there's comp- guys competing. It's just it doesn't affect my personal experience at all. Well, this is a great email. And um, we there's so much more to unpack. We simply don't have time. But I do promise and remind me and help me and hold me to this promise that we'll get into more of Oakley's email because he um, he really appreciates the fact that that this is podcast is about you guys, the listeners. It's about Oakley and all of you. And if you've got things that you want to talk about, um, how do we get them to you? Yeah. And, and, and Oakley's done a great job of, of really opening up a bunch of different questions. Uh, he's got one about cash flow issues with the WSL, the industry, Kelly Slater's wave pool. There's a lot here to unpack and how, we simply don't have time, but how does someone get an email to you, Scott? Surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And I apologize if I don't get back to you right away. Um, I've basically gotten to the point where I just dedicate one day a week to batch them all. Like, yeah, I'm just going to spend time. an hour on a Saturday morning and just get through them because it's hard to keep up with it on a day to day with regular work obligations as well. Um, I've got a couple of follow ups, including emails and comments. 
One quick follow-up is you mentioned Alex Gray's footage in Morocco last week, and it looked like he had a GoPro in his mouth. Yes, he did. They released that GoPro footage. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it really is as remarkable as we had hoped. Um, So check that out. The problem with the GoPro for me, with the kind of fisheye angle on the lens, is the wave just looks small. That wave was a double overhead, proper draining barrel, but from his GoPro point of wide view angle, angle yeah. it looks waist high. You wide, know? Wide, wide angles do that, don't yeah. they? Yeah, but still, really rad footage. So we'll have that stuff on our respective websites, surfsplendorpodcast.com and then the boardroom, or just boardroomshow.com. One comment that I had on Surf Splendor was from Adam Floyd. He said, I'm surprised to see that Kelly Slater has jet ski assist in his own wave pool. Which I thought was funny. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised by that too, right? Yeah. I mean, why would you? I mean, why wouldn't you, I guess? But at the same time, why would you? Um, I got another comment from Joe Mama who wrote a long paragraph basically just to agree with you and I that we are not former's demographic. We had a long discussion about oh, yeah. Craig Anderson and Dane no. Reynolds brand former. I know. And saying like, I don't get it. The branding's really confusing. Like, I <laughs> And he no, just no. basically wrote this super long paragraph that was a bit of insult and shame thrown at us. Oh, basically to on, say, bro. just to say, what we you guys said. aren't the demo. But that's what we said. We did say. So yeah. he's not listening. You're no, not he listening. agreed. He agreed. He's like, yeah, you guys aren't the demo. Here's a list of reasons Well, And why. I mean, I literally texted my son, who is the demo, during the show. Mm-hmm. And he sent back a text to us. And we read it saying, Dad, former's rad. We're totally into it. Let's yeah. talk about it. Craig Anderson, I love you. You know, so. Well, you're right. We're not the demo. I'm 51 years old. Yeah. I, I don't even know how old you are. You must be... 35. Wrong. <laughs> 45. 35. 35? You think a chop hop could be this thick if you weren't... If you were in your 40s, dude? Dude, for 35, that hairline's kind of gone backwards. <laughs> Is your dad bald? No, dude. I've got a long lineage of lush, lush, luxurious You must have skipped hair. a generation. You're um, going to go Slater on us pretty soon. show will be sponsored um, by Gillette. So... Why, you thought I was older than 35? No, I know. I, I thought you were younger. You look really old. Oh, man. That I'm was going to come dude, out as an insult are, either way. Those are easy. <laughs> there was no way. Served up a softball. Adam so, Baldwin sent an email. He says, hey, man, I subscribe to your podcast, Scott, as well as to Surf Splendor. And it's been rad to go through your older stuff on your iTunes feed. I just finished listening to an episode from 2011. And the other guy who has the same name as me, Jeff Baldwin, was interviewing Sonny Miller who sadly has passed away. So it's not all about old mate and the chop hop. Whoa, Adam. Anyway, just want to say hi, let you know how good the old features pieces are in between waiting for your surf news podcast to come out. Cheers, Adam Baldwin. So thank you, Adam. That's a great resource for listeners, by the way, who want more surf content is Scott's got 10 years worth of content. Uh, Google iTunes down the line podcast. You'll see it all right there. Yep. Although um, I have heard that my podcast on my phone is still having problems up, up updating. But by the way, Adam Baldwin is the guy who informed us last week that Silvana Lima is back on tour. Oh. Um, another note, follow up. I I mentioned that I put together this Cuba doc uh, document with my recommendations for places to eat, to stay, to visit, and I got probably ten emails from people asking to get that doc because they're going. So um, if you want to know about Cuba, if you're planning a trip, email me, hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com, and I'll send you my hit list based on my experience there two weeks ago. I got an email also from KJ saying, 
First off, love the podcast. I recently came across it a few weeks ago when I was searching surf podcasts so that I have something to listen to on a flight. Since then, I've been listening nonstop. I wanted to ask your help for trying to understand how some of these contests work. I just recently saw that Malia Manuel won a QS event in Australia. What I'm having a hard time understanding is why is Malia competing or allowed to win a QS event since she is already qualified for the CT? I'm guessing I don't have a thorough understanding of how the tour works, but if you could shed some light on this, I would really appreciate it. Thanks again. Well, this is a little basic for Scott's rolling his eyes. Scott, if one person asked it, it means hundreds of others are wondering the same exact thing. I mean, the, 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 what, what I'm rolling my eyes about is it means that the WSL isn't doing their job. Oh, okay. You know, like this is the guy that they need to convert. Yeah. Well, you, know, you and I get it. We're, you know, we're, we're the choir. What I think is further problem is that I went to the worldsurfleague.com to try to figure out a quick answer for KJ. There isn't a quick answer. There's no, unless you get deep into the ASP or the WSL rule book and read all these kind of rule 17.3 or whatever it is, like you can't get this information. I'm going to do my best to synthesize it right now. And it's going to be a perfect segue for us to go into WSL talk, which is the World Surf League has a qualifying tour, the WQS, World Qualifying Series. And then they have a World Championship Tour. You want to be on the World Championship Tour, of which the men have 32 and the women have 17 competitors. But to get on that, you need to qualify through this World Qualifying Series. So on the Championship Tour, there's fewer events with fewer surfers and they surf the best spots in the world. The Qualifying Series has a lot more events at mediocre spots you can't do all of them. You simply can't afford to do all of them. So you want to just do the highest rated events. They have, uh, you know, um, the Vulcan Pipe Pro is the highest rated event. So you want to do that, but you can't get into that unless you get seated into it. So sometimes you have to do a year of these lower seated events to get a high enough seed to do these high seed events of which are worth more points. And if you can win one of those, maybe you can secure a spot on the championship tour. Now, what happens in the men's world? Well, I'm going to use the men's as the example. 32 surfers on the men's championship tour. The bottom 10 fall off every year, and the top 10 on the qualifying series get bumped up onto the championship tour for the following year. But what you'll see happening is guys who are at the bottom of the championship tour will start doing qualifying tour events in a hope to garner enough points to secure their spot back on the championship tour for the next year. So oftentimes what will happen is they will be in the top 10 on the QS, but they'll still be in the top 22 on the CT and they'll re-qualify. They'll double qualify basically on both tours. So another catch is that the WSL actually requires CT level surfers to compete in two qualifying series events every year. What, Scott? Snore. <laughs> this is important information, Scott. Listeners need to know. I swear so, to God, I'm falling asleep right now. So take a nap. I'll be back. I'll wake you up when it's your turn. So... They require CT surfers to do those things kind of as a, um, I don't know, just goodwill to the community. Go compete in the U.S. Open because there's going to be a lot of viewers there and your sponsors are there and you can glad hand with the general public at large. So Malia Manuel might have been 
honoring one of her obligations to do one of those qualifying series events. But also she just wants, I think she wants to secure a spot, you know, maybe for the following year, even though she's a top contender. And then further, she just wants to hone her competitive prowess going into the snapper event. That's probably the reason why Malia was doing that event more than any. Um, Wake up, Scott. Oh, my God. Okay, that was great. Thanks so much for that insight. (laughs) Um, I got an email from Austin Stevenson. I know you were going to segue, but let me just say this. Austin sent an email. I said, hey, Scott, I hope you're doing well. I... um Anyway, I'm reaching out because I would love to be a part of the surf trip you and David are putting together for Down the Line Podcast listeners. It sounds like an awesome adventure. I'm based in New Jersey, so some warm water action sounds like a dream right now. Thanks, Austin. So that's some good stuff, right? How's our surf trip coming along? Well, I was going to tell you not to mention it on the show because... We have probably 20 people that have reached out who want to go, and we don't have any information for them yet. Oh. What information do we have? Well, I reached out to Josh Mulcoy about Selena Cruz. Right. And he said, oh, I'll get back to you, and I basically haven't heard back from him. Okay. Well, I got pricing for Costa Rica, for Playa Negra, which is like all-inclusive, you know, food, uh, accommodation, transportation, all that stuff. That sounds killer. Yeah, well, that's doable. We can make that happen. I think it might be a little bit on the pricey side. I think maybe if Selena Cruz comes in cheaper, then maybe let's exercise that option. I also reached out to our buddy Tony Roberts uh, in Nicaragua to get pricing at Playa Colorado. So the three options on the table right now are Costa Rica, Nicaragua, and Mexico. So we're waiting on pricing. Our general target date is July of this year. So people can kind of pencil that in, but we will get pricing and specific dates. I Join mean, us. Down the line surf podcast, yeah. surf trip to Central America. Or, or Mexico. Mex. Yeah. Sounds killer. Yeah. And if, and if by the way, if anybody has a preference between those locations, let us know and that can influence the decision. Or if you're a listener that has um, you know some sort of surf resort or That's accommodations good- and you want to you know be a part of this and we can promote the crap out of you. Uh, we'd love to do that as well. So Sounds good. Surftalksandiego at gmail.com. Now that we're all caught up on follow-up stuff, do you want to look at the WSL's 2017 yes, season? Yes, less starts than a week, week away, man. We're fired up on that, and I know I am. Um, you know, the, the World Surf League just put out an email, a press release. I'm sure you saw it this morning, that they're going to be broadcasting the entire 2017 season via – Facebook Live. So you can go to Facebook, the World Surf League's Facebook page, and see the entire broadcast. What does that mean to you, David? What do you do you read between the lines here? Anything? This is a good thing, just another distribution outlet. Yeah, for- no no offense. I read that. To me, it's a non story. It's like, yeah, everybody should be doing that at all times at this point. You know, yeah. like I don't think certainly this isn't a replacement for anything that they had in the past. It's just in addition to. If right. you're not doing it on Facebook Live, then like you're blowing it. Right. If right. you don't have a Facebook page, then you're not, you know, like right. you just have to as a business now. That's what yeah. you do. So that's what I think about it. What do you do you think it means anything? No, I think you're right. I, I was trying to read through it to see if it meant that it was replacing something or that you wouldn't be able to get it somewhere, but Yeah. It's just so, like, hey, we're keeping up with modern times. Yeah. Just letting you know. 
Um, well, there's a number of big stories going into this season. The first two are that Mick Fanning is returning to competition after taking a year off. And then the second is that Owen Wright is taking a wild card injury and returning to competition as well after his horrifying head injury last year. Those are the two things that have stood out to me as well. I have them written at the top of my page here. Owen Wright, Mick Fanning. Um, to, to use the phrase, truly wild cards. What do you do with these two guys? Which guy do you put on your team? Now, Mick Fanning, from a fantasy surfer standpoint, comes in at $5 million bucks. Yep. You can't not put Mick Fanning. I bet he's the most used surfer and fantasy surfer this year. Right. Which you can't not put him on there. I agree, especially going into snapper. The guy's a three-time world champ, and that's his home break. And, and I, Last I, year on hiatus, didn't he win two events or something? Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, I don't know if he won two. He won J-Bay. He won J-Bay for sure. Um, yeah. So yeah, Mick Fanning, to me, needs to be on your team. And Mick Fanning's a guy that I would look out for. The only downside to Mick is, is he just going to kind of cruise? Uh, but... I don't think that's in his nature. I think he's Absolutely fired up. Absolutely not going to cruise. Yeah, he's fired up to win. He cruised last year. Yeah. And so... He won then, one event last year, by the way. J-Bay. Now, is Mick Fanning too old for the tour? A lot of that depends on what the waves are like at various spots. No, he's not too old for the tour. And he's he more cannot, fit he doesn't than most have, guys on tour. Did you notice that the image they used when they sent out the release that Mick Fanning was joining the tour was an aerial? Did you did that? Did you note that? I noted that. I, I said, did not oh. note it. Yeah, it was an aerial. It was the best one he had, and it wasn't. It, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't very high in the air. It was like one of my credit card airs, you know. Well, I mean, that's an interesting question. Is if he was, if he's a three time world champ, and if he's a world title contender going into this, can you win a world title without being able to do airs, really? Or, because in recent years, name a world champ that isn't able to. We've got. Gabe Medina, John John Florence, Kelly Slater, like they're all aerialists. And and look, Mick can finish a ride with an air at the end of the wave. I'm not doubting kind that. Kind of. Kind of. But bank off the end section it lowers. Right. So so he, the question is, will the waves on tour this year provide a situation where aerials aren't uh, as crucial? Yeah. You know, like will we know Jay Bay, Cloud Break, and um and um, pipe, pipe, and and Tahiti are going to be ways where we're not dealing with aerials, right? And yeah. you could even suggest that bells, maybe. Margaret. Yeah, bells is hard to do airs at, but, but Kelly's. But done those insane. are finishing airs. You're going to do finishing airs at J Bay. You're going to do finishing yeah. airs at Bells. But on the open face outside, guys at lowers are doing airs on their first and second turn. Yeah, but here's the deal. I mean, I I think that, or I guess. We could also throw in Europe into those conversations. Some of the craziest airs that we've seen in recent years are at France and Portugal. And that's a meaty end of the year where like results kind of matter. Yeah. Um, so if you're not able to really contend with Felipe Toledo and Idolo at those spots, guys that have made the finals, you know, then that could that could definitely I, be an Achilles. That's what I'm suggesting, right, is that is that Mick Fanning, if the waves are of consequence at the places they need to be of consequence, yeah. he's in the title hunt. If the waves are crappy at some of these waves where we expect Mick to do really well in big surf, like Cloud Break, like Tahiti, like Jay Bay, then, you know, he's in the running. But, I mean, he's not in the running. So, you know, it's, it's, it, for a guy like him, it really does come down to wave quality. Well, I think Mick's going to benefit. Mick and Owen both are going to benefit from their seeding. 
Owens seated at 13th, Mick seated at 18th. So they're going to be drawing mid-level contenders in the round one of every event. Unfortunately, Kelly Slater's a mid-level contender. So it's like round one at Snapper is Kelly versus Mick versus Jeremy Flores. You know, it's a pretty heavy heat, even though they're all ranked in the middle of the tour. But I do think in general, Mick will benefit from that because he's a, a top surfer going to be surfing against mid-tier guys in round one. He's got a, almost a free that's pass. The, that's sort of the characteristic of the field of the World Championship Tour this year is that there's there's a ton of parity. Yeah. You know, like from one to 34, although there's some guys in the bottom half that I'm not too concerned with. Um, but, I mean, when you've got, like you say, Slater, um, just a seven or an eight or a 10 or whatever his seat is. What did you say it was? I didn't say Slater's. Um, anyway, point is, is that there seems to be a lot of parity. I would suggest to you that the top, 25 just off the top of my head are are legit now are they title contenders how many title contenders do we have well i'm gonna say five do you want to know who they are yes you're asking title contenders going into this season yes john john florence yes jordy smith yes gabriel medina yes I'm going to say Julian Wilson. Yes. And I'm also going to say Chloe and Dino. That's what I was going to say. So you've so left Mike Fanning and, and Kelly, Kelly Slater yeah. off of this I'm list. leaving Kelly out for sure. Mick Fanning right now is a question mark for me. Um, I think that he's going to come in very, very strong. Maybe even win a couple of events. World title contention, though. I think that might take him a year to get back into that level. And again... The aerial thing is a big question for me. What do you think about Joel Parkinson? Let's say he wins Snapper. Waves are good at Snapper. It's his home break. He's done well there. He can do well there. What if he wins Snapper? And he's got all this experience. He's got a world title. Because I see Parko as like just kind of cruising. Like he's at the end of his career and he's just like kind of just... He's into it, but he's kind of not into it. And He's already announced his retirement after this year. So, you know... I didn't put him on my team. I look at him like, okay, he's done. But if he wins Snapper, all of a sudden he's like, oh, shit. You know what? Why not go out with a bang? Yeah, I don't think Parco has that mentality at all. I think the only scenario where he wins Snapper is if it's massive. And it's looking like he, it won't be. He can out paddle and out position anybody at Snapper and take off behind the rock and get pitted like no nobody else. So... Or only like Mick Fanning. So that's where I see him doing well. I see him thriving in good waves, and that's his only motivation. I don't see a world title being a huge motivation for him at this point. So those five guys you mentioned, guys to watch winning the world title. Um, Kolohe did well at Snapper last year. Kolohe's an interesting, interesting guy going into this year. He finished fourth last year. I think that he's grown up a lot, both in terms of psychology and just physicality his surfing is remarkable like his foundation and fundamentals and technique are phenomenal and now i think that he has a lot of experience and a lot of competitive prowess and not some of the feeble-mindedness that we have seen in the past he definitely has the ability i think that we're and now we've saw last year with his fourth place finish at the end of the year i think we're really going to see him one up last year's last year's uh, finishing. You mentioned the five guys, Jordy, Julian, Chloe, Gabby, JJF. Who do you think feels the most pressure that they have to um, sort of do it? They have to get it done this year. We know it's not John John Florence. Feels the most pressure feels or the, the most, most internal drive? 
Um, pressure meaning like their sponsors in their country? No, no inter- internal pressure. Like, shit, if I'm going to win a world title, it's got to get done. I feel like Julian. it's Kolohe. I think it's Julian. Or maybe Julian Kolohe tied, but they both are like <clears throat> young enough still to be like, I got to get it done this year or I'm not going to get it done. I kind of feel like Jordy's like, I guess it's not in the cards for me. And I know JJ's already got one and Gabby's already got one. So those three are, those two are cruising and Jordy's like, ah, maybe, you know, but everything I, seems to go against me. And Julian Kolohe are the two guys where I'm like, okay, they've, yeah. they've got to get it done and they don't have any, they don't have any excuse. They haven't been on tour long enough to go, oh, I guess it's not in the cards for me. Yeah. I think for me, Julian is the answer to that question. I think Julian's been touted as a world title contender for so long now by so many experts. And so many people have called him the best surfer at various times, the best aerialist, the best style, the best bottom turn, the best fundamentals that he hasn't, he doesn't have the results to show, you know, I mean, he's got, he is a pipe master and like he's won events, but everybody says that he's a world title guy. And I actually agree with that. And I think I'm kind of shocked that he hasn't lived up to his potential. Last year he finished eighth. You know, that's low. I mean, that's low for Julian. It's high for most people. But it's kind of like, I think he's a guy where if he doesn't do it now, next year, he'll go into 2018 with even more insecurity. And if he doesn't do it in 2018, he's a year older and there's newer guys and he has even more insecurity. Because by that point, Jack Robinson will be on tour, you know? And it's like, now these guys... So that's who I think the pressure is on. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Right. Now, do you think he can do it though? <laughs> yeah. I think I think Julian and I think I I think Julian can do it before Kolohe. Coming off of this edit, this wayward edit that we saw of Julian last week, it's hard to not put money on him. Like, Look, they're all five insane and they all five could win world titles. They all five have the talent. It's really a, a it's a mental game at this point for these guys. And when I look at it mentally, although Kolohe showed a lot of grit last year. Truly. And so he really grew up, you know. And so I, I, I want Kolohe to win. Um, 
We'll just have to see. But I feel like the most pressure is on those two guys, Julian Wilson and Chloe Andino. I don't feel like the pressure is on those other three. Now, interestingly, the WSL, in that announcement about Facebook Live being a distribution point for their 2017 season, got a quote from Jordy Smith and called him a WSL title contender. Do you read anything into that? Should we start the conspiracy now that they're pushing for Jordy Smith to be a world <clears throat> champion? Wouldn't that be good for the WSL to have a South African world champion? The first one in how many years? Yeah. At least men's. There's probably, who knows? I don't follow the women's tour like you do, but <laughs> Bianca's not even on tour anymore. Was the last South African world champion, Martin Potter? Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, but by then, he might have been an English citizen. Who knows? Or but I think he's still... Yeah, he's South African. Yeah, yeah that, I think that would be it. Um, yeah, I don't. I love a good conspiracy theory, but no, I don't think it's conspiracy theory. I think that's a reference to the fact that he finished second last year. Yeah. You know? Right. And, and also, it just makes for better clickbait. It's a better headline that a competing world or a potential world... Right, champion. but they could have chosen a bunch of guys, and they chose Jordy, they chose Jordy Smith. They could have chose... Yeah. Hello, hey, or anything. Right, right, right. So let me backtrack real quick to Mick Fanning. Yes. Make a prediction. Where does Mick Fanning finish this year, at the end of the year? Oh, man, he's so hard to figure out. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say top five. I do too. That's exactly what I was going to say. I say top top five. five. Yeah, he's just too good. He's just too polished not to do well and get to now. Will you know? Will he get over the hump and? Get his fourth world title. It, again, it, earlier in the conversation, it depends on what kind of conditions these these surfing spots provide for them. Yeah, because had, if it's an aerial game in the semifinals, on it's not going to be good for him. Had Mick um, taken the entire year off last year, I would have a bigger question. But the fact that he showed up to a couple of events and then he won one of them and he did really well in the he others qualified makes yeah exactly. He didn't even this isn't even a wild card no. per se. He's he's qualified for the tour exactly. He finished the year in 18th place by only doing I think three events maybe. You yeah. Know? So I think that shows that he's always been in it mentally. He's never lost a step uh, competitively or mentally. And we've seen him surfing throughout the year and he hasn't lost a step. From a surfing standpoint, either, and he's fit as he's, he's a ever sportsman. Been. He's a classic so, Australian sportsman. You know, like so, in Australia, he's like the cricket guy. Like he's he's in it for the sport. He's definitely a top five contender this year, and he's so consistent that you yeah, know, you I can't. would agree with that. So now let's get back to Owen Wright real quick. Yes, Owen Wright coming in at thirteenth hadn't surfed an event since uh, prior to the Pipe Masters last year. So I guess it would, or the previous year. So I guess it would be would have been Portugal in two thousand fifteen would have been his last event. Where do you see him? How do you see him performing? And he's where gonna, do you see him finishing? He's going to wipe out really hard at Margaret River, and there's going to have to be concussion protocol implemented, mm. and he's going to go off tour. You really? I hope not. I'm just wow. making a wild ass prediction, that is and that's what that morbid. is. That's a wild ass prediction. But this guy had a brain traumatic brain injury, right? Which people um, recover from? Oh yeah, I'm not doubting that. I'm just I. Any time, I don't, ample amount of time off. Look, the guys, you know, two years ago we we're going. This guy's going to win a world title. Yeah. Now we're. I don't know. I, he's not on my fantasy team, and and he truly is. And I don't know. Yeah. In my I, opinion, I just do not know. I'm not putting any money on him yes. until I see some surfing being done. Yes. I I will say regardless of ability 
and past performance, if you take an entire year off, it's going to take you a bit of time to get back into form, especially considering what's happened in this past year with the other guys competing. Like we've seen surfing get elevated a couple of notches since Owen was on tour. And I just think it's going to be a while for him to find his footing again. I mean, so, they were celebrating the fact that he got through a heat, you know, like they the put QS out a huge yeah, yeah. QS, like they put out a big press or like, like he can do it again, you know? And like, that's just not good. Yeah. You know, when you're at that. So, I see Owen Wright requalifying this year. I see him competing, doing okay, requalifying this year, and then really making a run at it maybe in 2018. But the guy looks fit. Like I've seen, from what I've seen, he looks as fit as he's ever looked before. So that's good. It's not like he I'm gained a bunch of weight in the last who's year. Who's going to be in the finals at Snapper Rock? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. The finals at Snapper Rock, it's going to be. Gabrielle Medina. Okay. His backside attack at Snapper Rock. Okay. Jamming in as many turns as possible, a la Matt Wilkinson, he's, finding the barrel, doing aerials. He's won it. He, he won against Parco. Guess who's going to be in the finals with him? Chloe Andina. Leonardo Fioravanti. Fioravanti. Wow. Okay. I know. We got the hot new rookie regular foot at Snapper going crazy. And Gabe Medina. Mm. Guess who and wins? Who's going to win? Gabe. Okay. Gabe's got too much comp game. Okay. Uh, I disagree that Leonardo Fioravanti will make it into the final. I wouldn't be surprised if Gabriel. I'll. I'll I'm going to go Julian Wilson to win it. I think Julian's going to come. Julian, knowing that this is his like year where he needs to put a stamp on it, I think he's going to come out of the gate super hot. And take the snapper event. The thing about if if it's Gabe that wins it, everyone's going, oh, shit. You know, like, it's one thing if, like, when Matt Wilkinson wins it, everyone's like, okay, well, it's just the first event of the year. We can probably get this back. If somebody like Gabe or even Julian wins that event, it's like, okay, we're, we've got an uphill battle because we know these guys are good for semifinals finishes, at least yeah. six or seven of them, you know, like. It's scary, you know? So it's interesting who wins the first event of the year, the mindset of the rest of the competitors. Yeah. How how much of an uphill battle does it feel like, you know? Well, um, where you mentioned Wilco. Where do you think Wilco finishes this first event? Is he even on tour? Come on, buddy. <laughs> Come on, buddy. He won the no, event last year. I know. Year. I'm just teasing. I don't – I think – He finished fifth I last think, year overall. I think based on the second half of his season, the fact that he had the – you know, he had the bull by the horns and it, he let it get away. I think it's, I, I don't, I think it's like he's sort of a flash in the pan, in my opinion. He'll have an, a good event. He'll, he'll make the semis of an, an event somewhere. He'll do okay at an event, but he'll be like 12th, 15th, 18th. Okay. Yeah. I think at Snapper, maybe he'll make maybe round five at the most, possibly round three. He'll get bumped. The thing is, this is the most exciting class of rookies that I've seen in a long time. And I honestly think those guys are going to show up and blow up. I think Snapper suits all of them really, really well. I don't think it suits Ezekiel Lau that well. I do. I don't think it fits um, Frederico Marias that well either. These are two big regular foots. Maybe that not need Jay Bay. They need – these are big, powerful guys. And they're surfing against light-footed, goofy foots like Idolo and Wiggly and – you know what I mean? Like, to me, 
three to four foot snappers, not good for a super powerful regular foot surfer like like I mentioned, Ezekiel. Yeah, Allen. you mentioned two out of the out well, of the eight. Who else? Okay, so so who are the other guys? Dewey Kennedy. He's not a rookie, is he? He is. Last year not, he was in not as a wild. I mean, is no, he a, technically he's a rookie, but not. Rookie. I don't like, see him as a rookie. He surfed okay. a lot of events last year as a wild it. card, re- an injury it. replacement. All right. So Stewie Kennedy will shred out well, he's, there. He's the most dangerous. Ethan, if he's a rookie because he made like a semifinal. I last see him year. as a com- yeah. He's like, so yeah. Ethan Ewing, who I know who you don't he? know. Who exactly. the hell is Ethan? I was Ewing? waiting for that. Who is Ethan Ewing? Ethan Ewing. There's a mistake. There's a mistake here, dude. Uh, he is super well suited for that break specifically. He's so, a rookie that's going to quiver in his board shorts when he sees Kelly Slater stare him down. That's what she said about Leonardo Fioravanti last year, who smashed Slater in every event that he got a wild card into. Leonardo's going to win the event. <laughs> now you say that. That's what you're going to be saying about Ethan. Who, so Ian Govea. Well, that's the problem. Ian Govea. I think he's the next Alex Riviero. You know, oh my God! Like, who? Alex was on last year, and he's off this year. Oh so let's. I'm going to give you the rookie class real quick. Okay. Stewie Kennedy, Ethan Ewing, Zeke Lau, Connor O'Leary, Federico Moraes, Joan Deru, Leonardo Fioravanti, and Ian Gavea. Those are the eight new rookies. So a lot of Australian representation, by the way. Zero American. The one um, who scares me the most out of that is the guy who's. The most competitive savvy, in my opinion. Leonardo. No, I think it's John Daru. He's like 32 years old. He's been surfing competitively forever. He He's like uh, Dean Randazzo or something. Like He just shows up and wins, and you're like, what the hell? That guy's been around forever. Yeah, well, you say he's got the most competitive savvy. I would argue he has the most competitive experience, but not the most savvy. That's if what he I had the I most experience. But if he had the most savvy, he would have qualified 10 years ago when he started the QS. He's literally been on the QS for 10 years. He is to the QS what Ace Buckin is to the CT. <laughs> been around too long? And the same exact backside kind of formulaic yeah. approach, you know, or not only backside, yeah. but it's kind of like it's you, a little boring. He wins events and he does well, but can you remember a single wave that Ace Bucking surfed in the last? Well, that's five what I mean years? by savvy. Like he knows how to get through events. He knows how to get through to Except the quarterfinals. Except that it took him ten years to qualify. I'm just saying. He. I'm not saying it's going to be exciting. I'm just saying, like, if you had to bet the house on which of the rookies is going to do well throughout the year. Oh, I see I'll jo- take that bet. I'll see Joanne Daru getting qualified and requalified. I will take that bet without a doubt because I think Joanne Daru will go the way of Dion Atkinson, where it's like we've wait or Glenn Hall. We waited ten years Poncho for him. Sullivan. We waited one and done ten years for him to get on tour. Yeah. He's here. We won't remember a wave that he surfed this entire year, and he's going to fall off. No <laughs> offense, Jean Daru, but it's kind of like you know what? It's a good take. It's kind of like you're past your prime, dude. You're competing with guys. Is he going to win a heat against Idolo Ferrer? You know, like Idolo Idolo's the future, you know, like yeah. so. And I think so where it's like I can put money on Zeke Lau because, yes, he has flaws in his game, but he's got one. He's got power. You can attach some sort he's of. He's like Poncho Sullivan. Zeke Lau reminds me of the Poncho. He reminds like, me of Sonny Garcia. Everyone wants to. I mean, the. The, the big, powerful Hawaiian yeah. regular foot on tour. Everyone right. wants to see it. We want to see Dan Kialoa. And I'm not sure the tour suited for it. Yeah. You know, like we need, yeah, if it's at Sunset Beach and Cloud Break and J-Bay and some gnarly French beach break. Okay, yeah. I get it. I, I think that Zeke Lau has the most potential, but he also has the most volatility. And not not that he's going to like 
freak out and punch somebody, but the most volatility in terms of he often doesn't deliver on his potential. You know, like he'll end up in a heat at sunset against a bunch of like thin-legged rookies who you've never heard of, and you go, oh, clearly Zeke's going to win this heat, and then he'll end up with a six-point heat total and lose at sunset. Well, sunset's like, a bit of a wild-card wave, but yeah. I know it's a wild-card for those weak-legged rookies, but for him, it's his bread and butter, right. so you expect him to do that. well. That's why I use that example. Yeah. But he's done that a lot over the years, and I, I texted his team manager a while back in the middle of an event, and I'm like, dude, I can't believe he ever loses because he serves so good, except for the fact that he constantly loses, you know? So, well, the problem with Zeke is the problem that a lot of Hawaiian surfers have is that they, they live in Hawaii. They surf perfect waves all the time. Yeah. And if they have a down event or two down events, they get down on themselves mentally. And they're like, God, you know what? I miss home. I'm homesick. It's so killer there. The waves are pumping. I'm getting texts from my bro. It's, they're scoring pipe right now or wherever, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like, I just want to go home. Right. And they're not, they don't have the drive. It's, and, and it's understandable. And in fact, a lot of Polynesians have that same, like Tahitians. There's so many great big Tahitian surfers that never, they're just like, you know what? It's just, I'd rather be at home. I'd rather be hanging, playing the ukulele, surfing. You know what I mean? And so does he have the drive? Yeah. That many Hawaiian surfers lose because can you blame them? It's beautiful in Hawaii. The plight of the French Polynesia in Hawaii, you know? Yeah. Uh, people come out of Brazil and California and Australia to get become a pro surfer to Look go East, surf that yeah, location. Yeah, East Coasters, like to the Hobgoods, Kelly they're fighting Slater. their whole These life to go just, to Tahiti. They're just, yeah, they're just so stoked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think um, uh, uh, Ethan Ewing is going to be the most interesting thing for me. Like, that guy, I really had low expect. I. I felt like you did, where it's like there's a million guys who shred. I don't give a crap. But his surfing looks incredible. And he actually competed in the Triple Crown this year. And he looked really, really good in really serious waves, not just winning the U.S. Open, you know. So I think that's going to be an interesting one. He's – I know you're rolling your eyes. Well, I just don't know who he is. Maybe he'll light the world on fire. But you always come to these every year – I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but you always come preseason. You're like, oh, this guy. Matt, Matt Banting. Yeah, Matt Banting. Thank you. At least you're going to take it. Right? Well, he Who injured else? himself. There was somebody else. It was Carlos Munoz. But yeah, Carlos Munoz, Matt Banting. You're like, you just watched, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. And I'm um, still sitting here. They're not even on the QS. I'm a little bit shameful right now. Because <laughs> yeah. those were pretty this bad predictions. This is what I feel about Ethan Ewing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I kind of You could lump him in with Matt Banting because he kind of has a similar approach, but... I don't know. I want to talk sophomore slump. We've got two guys that stick out, Kanoa Igarashi and Kaioa Belly, guys that ripped it up last year as rookies, correct? Correct. Which of these two guys, Kanoa and Kayo, has a sophomore slump and struggles and maybe has to do the QS just to qualify? Kayo. I agree. Yeah. I think Kanoa is just, he just seems like a machine. Yeah, he is. Cut from the same cloth as Leonardo Fioravanti. Qualified obviously a year earlier, but by the way, Kanoa, he was a pipe master finalist this exactly. year. That's like insane. Exactly. And not that it was the most treacherous pipe, but he made it through events based on that competitive machine prowess that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, those, heat, those heats that we talked about where he sat and waited and got the score and had the balls to sit and wait and get yeah. the score and, and the patience. And so those two are interesting to me, and, and I would agree. Although I, Kyle, he, he, I'm not saying Kai is going to fall off, but of those two, I think he does worse than Kanoa. I think the guy that we're going to see the biggest improvement from that was a rookie last year is Connor Coffin. 
You don't think so? I hate to say it. I want him to do well. I want North Americans to do well. I want to root for. I hope Connor Coffin wins Snapper Rock. But Connor's kind of in that Poncho Sullivan. I know. Um, Taylor Knox, powerful, stylish, regular foot, whose air game isn't up to par. When you look at the rest of these guys, right? I mean, he's not blowing doors on doing airs. I mean, he does them. He's no. doing standard airs. His brand is style and power. But I, I just think that. Well, I mean, that's a lot. So's Jordy Smith, but Jordy actually gets in the air. Totally. Yeah. You know, so's John John Florence. Style well, and power. Kelly Slater. We got a comment from my comment last week where I was saying Joel Parkinson is a style master in the realm of no, Craig Anderson and no. Rob Machado. Right. And I got an email from somebody like, uh, that's ridiculous. Thank Machado you. and Ando are icons. I don't want to surf like Parco. No. And, then, and I disagreed with the email up until the final line, which he said, I don't want to surf like Parco. I want to surf like Jordy and John John. And I kind of realized, you know what? Those guys are great examples who have perfectly melded beautiful style with extremely high performance. Like their performance does not lack because of their style. I feel like if you're a rookie on tour and you have mad air game, you have way better chances of qualifying than if you're a rookie on tour and you're the powerful, stylish guy like Zeke Lau. Sure. You know, it's just like the tour is just not made for that. Yeah. You know, now there are moments when you're going to stand out and people are going to go, oh, great. I'm so glad he's on tour. Look at that rad power. But at the end of the day, I mean, we want to see like the Philippe Toledos, the Idolos, the Wigglies. These guys are, are doing airs. You talk about sophomore slump and we were talking about title contention. What do you think John John's year looks like? Very interesting one, really. That's a wait and see one. Just, um, it's just, is he gonna? I mean, he, I don't, I, I don't think it's. I think he's top ten. Yeah, I think he's top ten. I just think, I think it's natural for all champions once they've reached that thing. Like, look at Super Bowl. Look at any champions. Really, it's like it's hard to repeat. And generally, there's so much attention on you. And it's and it's almost like it's kind of like a media tour. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's our world champion. Hey, John, John, we need you to show up here. John, John, we need you to be here. We need you to do this. We need you to do that. And there's a lot of energy sapping that takes place. And I think it's it was proven out with Gabe Medina. We said the same thing about Gabe Medina. We go, nah, I don't know, sophomore <laughs> year after, you know, I, the sophomore year after a world title. You yeah, know, the year after a world title. It's just. Hard to repeat. Yeah, I especially mean, Adriano, now. Adriano finished 11th this year. Who? After Adriano. Yeah, who? I'm sorry, what? So I think. He could fall off tour. I, I, so with the Adriano. John John, with the John John example, I don't think John John has as much of that as those other Brazilian guys because he didn't have the same drive that they have. Therefore, there's less of an energy dump afterwards. I think he's more level headed throughout it all he doesn't have the peaks and valleys so i see him coming into this year and doing really really well but i also see there being guys who that peak they they do have the bipolarity and they're gonna benefit from some of the drive like julian julian's gonna come in with more intensity than john john has and john john his ability so undeniable that he will finish top five if not top three but there's going to be somebody that edges him out based on sheer drive and determination. The question will be, will Julian be able to go 
back to back? The answer is no. Julian will get one world title and he'll stick around for an extra decade and then, you know, right. go into the sunset. So, but I, and I think John John will get multiple world titles, but I don't think that he has that kind of, that drive. That, How many you know, world titles does John John need to get before the general? conventional wisdom is satisfied if he only has one we're like oh he didn't live up to his expectation right correct i think four is the four he needs four yeah i think that's fair i think Mm -hmm. that that's deserved now we have eight new guys on tour as you mentioned which begs the question which of these 32 guys which eight which six will not be on tour next year which of these guys we're looking at now just will have shockers will fall off tour well, Parco's already planned to retire, so we can't include him in that conversation, I guess. I would go... Be Durbage? Miguel Pupo. Miguel Pupo. I think B Durbage is going to fall off tour. Joan Derue. Joan Derue. Jadson Andre. Jadson. I think Jeremy Flores is an interesting one. I do too. He's finished... He's 30th right now. He's been on tour for probably a decade. His surfing... While it's incredibly technically precise, is not as exciting as the kids' surfing is. I think he could do great in waves of consequence. You know, he's a pipe master. He's done well at those Code Red swell. It was at Chopu or Cloudbreak. Um, so he's proven, but again, just not that exciting. I could see Jack Freestone getting bumped. <laughs> weren't you all high on him last year yeah he didn't deliver yeah exactly he's in the map band i remember you were like jack freestone jack freestone blah 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 i just want him to keep posting photos with alana oh my god that <laughs> won't end don't worry that's not gonna end unless she moves up the chain a little um so i agree with you right so we've got bead joanne derue jack freestone uh you mentioned joel who is the other guy you met oh um jadson yeah Jadson, these barely, are guys barely. That, these are guys that might not be on tour next year. But what, who's a shocker? Who's a shocker that wouldn't be on tour next year? If they didn't requalify? Yeah, if they didn't. Like Josh Kerr. Yeah, Josh but that's Kerr's so unlikely. He's been around a while. Dude, the guy's legit. Well, I'm just saying that would be a shocker, right? Would, well, anybody. The, lot, the top 15 would be a shocker. You know, right. There's a lot of shockers. I got a question for you. Quietly, a listener pointed this out to me. Quietly... Nat Young fell off tour last year. Nobody's talked about it. Oh, my God. Where is he? You didn't he? even notice it. Where is he? <laughs> He's isn't, in Santa isn't Cruz. Isn't he the dude. same guy as Adrian Buchan? Aren't they the same dude? We thought he was going to replace Buchan. Turns out Buchan smoked him, dude. Oh, Buchan's man. like in the top, I don't know, seven or something. That sucks. Uh, I had Nat Young maybe winning a world title at some point. Yeah, you did. A couple years ago, right? You're talking crap about me saying Matt Banning. You were claiming Nat, Nat Young is Young did way title. better than Matt Banning. Yeah, well, look at him now. Uh, so I saw Nat Young this year doing the QS, the first event in uh, Australia. He was there competing there. So it's like, whoa, dude, he's trying to get back on tour for 2018. But isn't that weird that he fell off That's, without us noticing? Yeah, it is very surprising, and it's very much under the radar. And did he lose any sponsorship? I don't know. Um, he's with Hurley who, or was with Hurley and probably still is. And they've been really loyal, it seems, to a lot of their teams. So I think he's still with them. But I heard I, a rumor and in innuendo just that he had some personal issues going on. I have no idea what those are even. I can't even speculate. So that might have played into his headspace in the 2016 huh. season. That's too bad. Um, okay. Where does Slater finish? Slater finishes number one. Slater's winning the world title. His last year, he's going out. Really? 
Hell yeah. Are you just expressing your hopes and dreams or what you actually would bet on? Um, I, I, I t- I'll give you the odds. I'll give you the odds. I think, I think you're looking at like six to one. Six to one that Slater wins a world title. And that means that John John's even money. Okay. I, so I'm thinking Slater's top 10 this year. That's very different than winning a world title. I know. Well, no. To answer your question, I'm rooting for Slater to win every event. And so Dude. my fandom is saying he's going to win. But realistically, he's 8-1. to one. If he finishes the top 10, wouldn't surprise me. If he won, like if he, if he goes on a little roll and people are like, oh, shit. You know, he gets that Tiger Woods vibe where everyone's like, oh, my God, it's Slater's year. He's won two of the first three. And we're going into Tahiti and, and to Fiji. And, and oh, he's so what? He always skips Brazil, blah, blah. I mean, that could be. Slater pulls a Wilco. <laughs> no, 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 no. Slater will not <laughs> no, pull a Wilco. At the beginning of the year, though. Wins two out of the first three. No, that's what I mean. He yeah, won't he, fade, but he won't fade. Right, right. right. But it's funny fade. that we even say that. Slater pulling Wilco is actually a good thing in that he'd win two events. It should be the opposite. Slater could win two out of three events, no problem. It would not surprise me. Yeah, so I, I, my fandom as well, I want him to win every single event. I just don't think it's likely at all. Like, you don't I think see- he's going to be in – where is he going to finish? Because I'm thinking he finishes fifth, which is it does seem like a reach already at fifth. Yeah. But – um. But again, if he does really well, I could see him winning the world title. If he starts off strong, I could see him winning the world title. I see him finishing eighth. Eighth. And retiring. Can you believe he said that about you, Kelly? Kelly, prove me wrong. Come on, Rob. And then come on this show and let's have a discussion about it. That is bullshit. (laughs) I'll drive to you. I'll fly to you wherever you are, Kelly. Kelly's going to win. All right. Let's see what happens. Uh, Now, interestingly, five hours ago, Jake Howard posted an uh, article. Stab Magazine posted an article written by Jake Howard. And it's rumored, he speculates that it's rumored that the WSL is going to restructure the tour for 2018 in light of speakers stepping down, them losing the Samsung sponsorship. They need to restructure and they need to cut costs. And one way to do that, or there's a couple of ways that they're going to do that. Jake Howard says that they're going to narrow the tour down to 16 to 24 surfers. And instead of having these two-week predetermined windows set around the world at these different events, they're going to do more... They're going to specific... They're going to target specific swell windows. So it'll be more of an open waiting period, much like the Big Wave World Tour. And then they'll see a swell on the horizon for Chopu, and they'll go, hey, 16 surfers, you guys, be there, pack your bags, book your tickets. We're going to green light the event in three days let's do this cool so what that'll do is it'll allow the tour to run on a lot lower costs quote howard says given the fact that samsung sponsorship is dried up and the wsl could probably benefit from some cost-cutting measures this plan also makes financial sense with debate about the sustainability of the wsl model already rife in the surf industry this plan could require half the infrastructure to produce the events and because there's no staff sitting around for two weeks paid vacays in tahiti are no longer a, nece- a necessary expenditure that's where a lot of that money is going is to the, uh, to guys sitting around yeah. at 400 dollars a day yep. resort T&E. in yep. In um, Fiji, yep. waiting for this event to run, which only takes three and a half days to run. Exactly. You know? So this makes a lot of sense. 
One other thing that Howard speculated was a wave pool event. And Howard said, this rumor is kind of supported by the fact that apparently there is a tester event happening this year. They're going to be running a a test event in the wave pool. Slater also suggested that they're building a left version of the right that they currently have and also versions of those waves with air sections. So it's not just going to be a perfect barreling wave pool. They're going to alter it to have variety in the wave. Hmm. So could you imagine a 2018 tour with half the amount of surfers, the same amount of events, but with much smaller waiting periods, and then a wave pool event? Sounds fascinating. Sounds Sounds like like a lot to chew on. Sounds like what we've suggested on this show over the past couple of years. The one thing that that they need to do, though, is make, you know, two, three, or four events big time um, major events which where the money and the points are doubled and yeah. and really kind of drive the tour around those four things and then have those those separate standalone surgical strike swell events uh, on either sides of those four majors mm-hmm. yeah I totally agree if you did the four majors there's some T&E involved you know definitely at cloud break it's expensive yeah. Definitely in Tahiti. Where would you have them, right? We know it's Pipe, Pipe. J Bay, Cloudbreak in Tahiti, but Bells, the people in Bells would be pissed. Bells from a heritage standpoint needs to be a major, but it's just not Yeah. I don't I don't care about the heritage. Man, I don't think the seventeen year old that they're trying to get to watch this cares either. Yeah. yeah. I care about the heritage, but not when we're talk having this discussion. About majors? Yeah. The majors are major. Yeah. Tahiti, Pipe. Cloud break, J Bay. Yep. That what about lowers? Is lowers a major? I like the idea of lowers as a major because that is the ultimate high performance. But I think that the is major it really the ultimate high performance. It is in Southern California, but is it really the ultimate high performance wave? I'd argue that Snapper is more of a high performance wave. Mm. When you think about like the raddest maneuvers we've seen over the years, I don't think they're at Snapper. The raddest maneuvers can be done in a lot of other places besides name lowers. It. Isn't name the, it. Well, where was the raddest maneuver done? France. What 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 maneuver was that? I don't know. Like, help me out. <laughs> You're asking me to help you make your point against me. I, I'm just saying lowers isn't like the be all end all performance wave. There's other performance waves that are out there. Now, is lowers a major? It is because the of the infrastructure. Arc- it is because it's Southern California. It no, is because no, no, no. Men, parts of the industry are here. That's not but how the you wave pick the major, itself. Though. Yeah, the wave itself. I think is it a only, major because you can only do argument, turns. The only argument for it is high performance. Like you're going to see the gnarliest air rotation at lowers. That would be the only argument for it. So if you're what about, arguing, what about Brazil? So if you're arguing that no, you're not going to see it there, then no, it shouldn't be a major. I think Brazil. I think you can see radical airs in Brazil. Much less likely. I like, think you can much s- less predictable. That's like, true. You might get a That's section true. in Brazil, but you're guaranteed the section at lowers. That's true. So, oh look, there's a lot to argue for it. I agree with you. I'm not. You know, I'm just. That's saying- the only argument for it, though. And if that argument is taken away by there's better spots to do high performance, then I agree. Take it. What off. about macaronis? We don't have an event there. Well, We're I'm talking about events on tour. But th- from sure. a legacy standpoint, and I know we don't want to talk legacy because we weren't talking to. It- with it in regards to bells, but 
Lowers has got a lot of legacy. Yeah. I don't think it's a major. As I don't we, either. As I think we, we know the it. four majors. Yeah. Um, Three of the four. No, they're all. There's two, two rights, one right, two lefts, and a wave that's both ways. I mean, the the problem with Cloudbreak and Chopu both being majors is that they're both barreling left-handers. It's almost like if you want to have the four majors, there should be maybe a little bit more diversity. Right, which but brings I, in which brings in lowers. Yeah. But which of those two Polynesian waves do you leave out of the equation? Right. Cloudbreak or Fiji? I like Cloudbreak for the variety. There's giant barreling sections, and it's but it's more roping, and you get turns. Whereas Chopes, it's just a matter of balls, you know, which and, is great, can too. There, can there be five majors? There doesn't have to be just four. Can there be five? I and think then four you is a better number. And then you structure the tour... Yeah. Because it makes it more important. And the four I think majors means that those four majors are set in stone. We're running these events. We're going to do it the old school way with two-week windows. We're doing it. And right. then around that, we yeah. we have these surgical strikes. I'm committing my answer to Cloudbreak. Chopu, really scary, death-defying, barreling left-hander, but so is Pipeline. So those have a similarity. And if you're going to choose one or the other, you got to pick Pipe. So Chop- Chopu goes away. I think Cloudbreak's a great major because, like I said, big barreling sections, but also a lot of sections for turns. Does Chopu become a QS? I think it's just a non-major. Okay. So it's, it's still a, a CT so event. It's, so it's like a surgical strike event. Yeah. yeah. And the surgical strike events are just like, hey, from August 1st to August 30th, we have a window. We don't know where we're going. It could be Chopu. It could be Nambia. Mm-hmm. Right, I think it's Namibia. Yeah, Namib, whatever. Right. So my point is, it could be anywhere in the world, depending yeah. on swell, fetch, wind, all that. Well, so check this out. If we're going to play that fantasy game, you know what I would love to replace lowers with is Selena Cruz. I don't want anyone going to Selena Cruz. <laughs> but remember, <laughs> the, remember Cruz the Rip Curl search event in yeah. 2006. Yeah. I mean, was that not the best event? And that could be a major. Like, that wave is incredible enough. Well, this speaks to Oakley's email about, yeah. do we want to grow the pond down there? Like, that's for all of us to go and surf. That's not for the pro guys to have a big event around. So, question. <laughs> that's so do, selfish. Do you remember the Rib Curl Surge event there in 2006? Yeah, Barra. How insane was that? It was the, they're calling it. The best wave ever, like the best wave on tour ever. Like guys like Andy and Taylor. Andy, Andy won it. Andy surfed insanely. Taj, I remember Taj getting like a thirty-second barrel or something. It was in bottomed out. That wave's been ruined. Bottomed by out by Do, what? Doesn't even break the way it used to. Yeah. Well, what happened is, from what I read, the restaurant that they built there, right on the beach, was um, getting affected by the river mouth. And so they built up the foundation and a wall for the river to be redirected. They redirected the river silt, and now that wave doesn't have the sand that it used to have. It's Mm. just like this outside little sand wave, and then it goes into a hole where it used to rope all the way to the restaurant. Mm. I don't know where I read that, but I did read it. It might have been the Surfer's Journal. Spots have been ruined and then recovered. You know, like Kira, all-time Kira went away, and now we have the Superbank. You know, like there's other examples. And Kira's good again. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm just saying, for the time being, they kind of ruined a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, 
in the interest of time, four events and, and surgical strikes around those four events. In the interest of time, do you want to wrap this WSL conversation? Yes. And get into Dukes and Kooks, or I don't have Dukes and Kooks. Do you this have, is just a WSL pod. We're just going simply WSL. The inventor of the Duke and the Kook concept is That's abandoning right. the concept just for in the for the sake of time, because this is a special <laughs> podcast. How convenient for you. Um, <laughs> wow, guy. Um, I do happen to have. What these. about Fantasy Surfer? Aren't you going to talk about our clubhouse and get people involved? How much am I going to win? If I give you 10 bucks well, in a What's event, funny is I don't think you've wagered in the Fantasy Clubhouse for like over a year. <laughs> oh We've my. got this thing running without you, apparently. I'm not going to ask you for your money, but it's oh kind of like, dude, you should be playing. Um, so... Yes, fantasysurfer.com is the club is the form that we play on. WSL has their own version, but we play it on fantasysurfer.com. There's 430 members or so in there. Go in there, create a team, go over to the clubhouse section, join the Surf Splendor Clubhouse. We wager, you could do it for free and not wager, but we also offer the opportunity to wager. You do that via PayPal sending me a $10 contribution per event, winner takes all. 10 bucks for the men. 10 bucks for the women. You don't have to play both. You could do one or the other. And um, you can find out the exact details for how to do it on PayPal on surfsplendorpodcast.com. And we've already gotten, I think, five or six or seven or so uh, contributions for this upcoming event. So I'll send everybody reply and follow-up emails. And then I post the list of people wagering in the Clubhouse forum so that you know who you're competing against and you can track how they're doing. We usually get about 20 or so people, so it's a $200 pool, and again, winner takes all. So that's how you do that. Scott, I'm going to give you my Duke and my Kook. Yes. My Kook. Who's your Kook? Is Mo Rama. Oh, Mo Rama? You know Mo Rama. Not to be confused with Joe Mama, who left a comment on my website this week. (laughs) Who's Mo Rama? Uh, Mo Rama is a surfer from Dubai who learned how to surf. In their wave pool there. Is he the stand-up paddler guy? No. Huh. He's a young, young yeah, kid. Yeah, you mentioned him. We've, we've no, no, talked no. about I, him. I just learned about him, actually. Oh, I think I've learned about this guy. So Mo Rama has to drive twice a month across the desert for an hour and a half session at the Wadi Wave Pool in Al Alain. Oh, I know where I've heard about this so guy. Yeah. The trek usually costs him about thirty bucks in gas, costs him another thirty bucks to enter the facility, so that's sixty bucks for the session itself. And he gets about six waves. So each wave comes at 10 bucks a pop. He never has to paddle more than 20 meters. He never has to duck dive. And so every time he falls, of course, it's a $10, literally 10 bucks down the drain. But he still (laughs) surfs. So my point is Mo Rama learned how to surf in a wave pool. This is a new thing for surfing. And it's something we're going to see more of. This is your kook? Wait for it. Wait for it. All right. So I, I really commend Mo Rama for these things, for fighting, but, for being a surfer in the middle of a desert who's utilizing this new technology yeah. to ju- enjoy what you and I enjoy. Right. Well, what did he Mo do? Rama decided to take his uh, newfound abilities to Mulligamore in Ireland and get Uh-oh. towed into a wave, into a 20-footer. Uh-oh. It did not end well. Uh-oh. And it is already an entry into the 2007 Wipeout of the Year Awards. Would you like to come around and I would. see this? I would. Okay. I'm coming around. I've got the footage for Scott. I'm coming around. All right. Mo Rama. 
towed in. Mulligamore, Mol- Ireland. Gets towed in. Things start. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That is, that's got to win. Ouch. He's a- so he gets towed into a really easy section. And before the thing even doubles up, loses control, falls. His board hits him. Falls face first and then ends up body surfing into the double up. He slides. What he does is he he hits a chunk. He falls off his board like a full barn right at the beginning. Full barn before it even gets He's treacherous. upside down. He doesn't penetrate and he slides all the way down the wave to the bottom where the lip is just cascading on his head. At the same time, his surfboard is slamming down right next to him. I mean, by the time he even got to the bottom of the wave, he's probably out of breath, and then he's just going to get taken to the cleaners. When I say he body surfed to the bottom of that wave, you envisioning body surfing on your chest. He actually does a couple spins. He's on his back for a couple minutes. He's break dancing, basically. He's sliding out of control into the death pit. Then the thing doubles up. He gets sucked over. The thing blows out crazy spit. I mean, it is a gnarly, gnarly, gnarly wipeout, and... Sure, any of us could have wiped out on that wave. He wiped out at the easiest possible section. So, Mo Rama, sorry to say, you're the kook of the week. I know you worked super hard, but the guy learned in a wave pool. And this is part of a larger conversation that we can be having where we're going to be sharing the lineup with people who learned how to surf in a wave pool, who the important detail is haven't learned how to duck dive, haven't learned how to paddle, (laughs) haven't learned how to position, haven't learned how to get out of the way when somebody's coming at them on a wave. So we're going to see a lot of this. And by the way, somebody's going to get hurt. Lots of people are going to get hurt. That guy must've got hurt. He must've gotten hurt. And by the way, and Innocent bystanders are going to get hurt by these guys. So, well, I'm not worried. Look, no, we dangerous. are. You and I are going to get hurt by guys who don't know how to duck dive, and they're going to ditch their board when you and I are getting pitted on the best day of the year. Somebody's going to ditch their board, and it's going to hit you in the head. That ain't right. No, the guy's going to so, get an earful. So, part of learning how to surf is learning the etiquette and right. learning how to duck dive. And I'm a little indignant that we're going to see more and more of this happening. Damn. Do you want to hear my... Where's the love? Do you want to hear my Duke yeah. of the week? Here's your Duke. So my Duke is scheduled to be a guest on Surf Splendor. I've been trying to get him on the show for the last couple of weeks, but unfortunately, due to um, health issues, hasn't been able to work. I was scheduled with him yesterday morning at 11 a.m., but he went into the ER at 3 a.m. and wasn't able to make it. You might have seen him on social media. His name is Jake Davis. Have you seen everybody posting? Yeah, does he have cancer or he has or a really head? rare spinal disorder, spinal atriovenous malformation, AVM. Hmm. So I'll give you the details, but I'm gonna set the stage a little bit. Kelly Slater's Instagrammed out about him, Mick Fanny's Instagram, everybody's Instagram out about Jake. Hashtag Jake's strength. Jake um is the younger Davis to Luke. Oh okay. the younger brother to Luke Davis. Right. So Jake Davis. Almost a year ago, Jake Davis was rushed to the emergency into emergency surgery to cauterize an out-of-control blood vessel that was strangling his T1 through T4 vertebrae. At the time, Jake was at the top of his game as kind of an up-and-coming pro amateur, and basically his life changed before his eyes. It turned out in this surgery that he found out he was suffering from a rare disorder called AVM. 
Leading up to the emergency surgery over an eight-month period, he had been experiencing crippling back pain and back, head, and neck pain, actually. The symptoms were further exasperated when he suffered a wipeout in Hawaii in the fall of 2015 that drove him headfirst into the reef. He was eventually diagnosed with AVM by this doctor, Dr. Robert Bray. Robert Bray had only had discovered the disorder only 10 years prior. And when he had cut into Jake's back to perform this surgery, it was actually only the 33rd time that he'd performed this surgery. He undoubtedly saved Jake's life, but the pain continues and Jake's been in and out of the hospital this entire time. So his spinal neurosurgery and the impending months of rehabilitation in large part is not uncovered by is not being covered by insurance which is why we've seen this huge social media campaign because it comes at a huge of course financial cost to James Jake's family so what they've done is they've set up this um uh this account for you to contribute to where if you want to just send a contribution great but they also have a t-shirt that you can purchase to make it real easy so if you want to purchase a t-shirt those funds go directly to helping Jake's family recover these insane medical bills. And uh, I have links for how to do that on surfsplendorpodcast.com or you can go directly to jakesstrength.com. His Instagram is at the underscore Jake Davis. Help fight not only for Jake, but just other people with this rare spinal disorder called AVM. Really tragic. Young Young dude, obviously, um, to see him chop down in the prime of his kind of upcoming pro amateur career. So, wow, Jake Davis, the, the Duke of the week. You've seen those Instagrams, yeah. Though, right? yeah. I mean, everybody has seen him. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope things work out for him. Tragic. Yeah. Well, um, that's really all I got. All right. Good show, Scott. Glad to see you two busy, times in busy. one week. Busy, busy, busy. Yep. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. You can get a hold of David. Hello at surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can get a hold of me at surftalksandiego at gmail.com. My Instagram is at boardroomshow and my Twitter at boardroomsurf. And David, your Insta. At Surf Splendor. We've had fun on it. Yeah, I posted a video of you the other day getting your brand new surfboards from yeah, Roger. Yeah, my new Roger Hines. How, did you surf Killer. that thing Oh, yet? man, that longboard works so good. Super stoked on it. I immediately called Roger and told him how buttery it was and easy. It did everything I expected and more. So well, what kind of waves did you surf? Super in? good, like super fun, neat, a waist-high, peeling sandbar. You know, we've had these rains here in Southern California. The rivers have washed out, and it's made some really good sandbars all up and down the coast. And this one magic one that I've been surfing, it's been small, but I mean, it's been great for longboarding, right? So, um, yeah, good, good board. Thank you, Roger. Roger Hines surfboards. Yeah. So the video of you getting that board, I dropped it off for you. So pulling it out of my car is on my Instagram at surf splendor. People want to see videos of stuff like that. And by the way, tickets for the boardroom international surfboard show are available now. So go to boardroomshow.com and you can click on the buy tickets link and, you can buy tickets now in advance and save. So you might want to do that. Scott and I will both be there. Yes. Glad. Down the line podcast will be there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, somebody, I, where was I? I was somewhere. I was at a parking lot getting into my wetsuit talking to, I was talking to Joe Tudor, Joel's dad, 
going back and forth. And some guy was buying a parking pass and goes, hey, Scott. And had recognized my voice. Went, oh, man, I listen to you guys all the time. I just want to say, hey, I recognize your voice, blah, blah, blah. So we had one of those moments. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that boardroom show makes me feel like a celebrity for a minute. Right. Because like the chop hop, dude. Because people come up, they're like, I've seen the chop. Dude, I saw the chop hop on Instagram. You're the guy. The chop hop is blowing up. Blowing up, (laughs) dude. What about my other Instagram with Mark Healy, who wore it better? Yeah. Yeah, everybody agreed. I wore it better. Well, there's no doubt. His his was, he didn't even give a good effort. Well, he grew enough hair to do it. He just didn't have enough chop in his hop. So, like, he, I think now, has bought some styling gel and he's on the North Shore. Trying to work it out. Yes. What he doesn't realize is you need a it's lot of salt. It's almost a genetic thing. It's a genetic thing. And then you need salt water and um, no shampoo. That helps. <laughs> <laughs> well, the chop pop is in rare form again today. So congratulations. Thanks, buddy. All right. Until next time. Got a good thing. Adios and aloha. Got a good thing going. Got a good thing going. Got a good thing going wrong. Shivering rivers On top of midday dream Drunken walking on a balance beam But what the hell I'll ride it While the hills are undressing And the fading is strong Guess you can't fit an ocean where it doesn't belong Yeah, well, we tried Alright, thanks as always for tuning in Thank you for sharing this show with friends That is the number one way to help this show grow Of course, we do accept donations But really, word of mouth is the best way to help this show grow Simply uh, post it on their Facebook wall Tag them in an Instagram that we post Whatever you can do to help this show grow will ensure that we continue getting rad guests and pumping out this content. So check out everything that we discussed in this show on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Feel free to leave a comment. We always appreciate seeing that. Obviously, we discussed them in this show. And then um, rate and review the show in iTunes. If you listen in the iTunes app, rate and review the show, and then that helps other people to find it. All right, that's it for me asking favors of you. We always appreciate your support. Hope that you enjoy the kickoff of the 2017 World Surf League. I know in this episode, Scott and I tried to predict uh, who would win the event. For some reason, we did not discuss Felipe Toledo. I mean, that guy. I I mentioned Julian winning the snapper event. I'm going to backpedal a little bit and give it to Felipe. Felipe is the guy to beat at snapper. And especially if the waves aren't ideal. Like, if it was rifling barrels i'm gonna give it to one of the traditionalists uh mick joel even julian in that case but if it's anything less than that i'm giving it to felipe felipe is so hard to beat in waves like that so all right well until next time this is david scales reminding you between podcasts the wsl broadcasts and whatever else you have going on, I encourage you to prioritize the ocean as your number one activity. Get out in the ocean, get a couple of waves, and shred off.